Maybe one more time. No. Hey, good morning. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, hey, it is so good to be here. It's so good to speak. Uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity uh, and grateful that you're here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Michael, uh, and I've got um, a wife, two kids. Uh, the two kids are kind of small, but you'll see them running around. They're all over the place. Uh, but we moved here in April, May. It feels like uh, I don't really remember how long it was. It doesn't feel like that long ago. Uh, but COVID time is what I'm calling it now. Like after COVID, everything just kind of doesn't seem right anymore uh, as far as time goes in my head. Uh, but because of that, it, it just it doesn't feel like that. But we've been here since uh, May, and we're uh, really excited to be here. We found a house really fast, which I think was all just kind of in God's hand and provision. It was really cool. But I remember moving in. We did some work for it a little bit. Uh, but then we moved in, and the first night, it was a house built kind of in the late 50s, which if you've lived in a house of that era, they're good houses, but you know what I'm about to talk about. But the first night, we're, we're, or second maybe, we were in bed, going to sleep, and all of a sudden we hear this noise, it's like, what is going on? And it sounded like a jet engine was about to take off. I'm like, is our house about to fly? Was this a spaceship? Is it about to just break off? I don't know. Uh, but it's pure and beam too, and so there's a lot of sounds that happen throughout the night. It was actually our AC, it ended up going out, so we replaced it. Now we're good, no more jet engine sounds at night. But when it kicked on, I mean, it was like, and it was like, okay, I don't know what's about to happen, but this does not sound right. The other thing about our house, though, is because it is pure and beam, you can really hear people walking in each in every part of the house, which is kind of a, a, was a thing to get used to at the beginning. It's a good thing now. Uh, because my daughter, almost two, uh, is one that gets into everything. My, my son was not this way. It didn't matter uh, kind of what was going on. He just really wouldn't get out of his area. He wouldn't get into stuff. Some of you are like, man, really? How would you do it? I don't know. I didn't do anything because clearly uh, it didn't work the second time because she is into everything. I mean, constantly getting into stuff, climbing on stuff, getting things, uh, and she loves to raid our pantry. And so our pantry uh, is there. You'll hear the door open. And you'll hear stuff just start kind of packages moving around and stuff. It's like, okay, it's not a rodent, it's just Adeline. And so I'll yell typically in the house, like, you know, just raise my voice so she can hear me. Adeline, you don't need any snacks right now. We're about to eat. Put that back. And then you'll hear the door close. And then the thing that we're loving is what happens after because you can tell what's just happened by how fast her footsteps are. So like if the door closes and it's just like normal walk back and you hear it like, okay, she went back to play or she's coming to find me to figure out if she can have that. But if the door closes and you hear fast footsteps like pat, 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 you better run because uh, she has something that she's not supposed to have and she's running away from you to hide. Again, this was not our experience with my son. And so we're just kind of learning this, but it's proven really effective uh, in this season of our life. The funny thing is, she doesn't realize, I mean, she knows that I'm going to take whatever she has from her, but she doesn't realize I'm actually trying to help her. Like, I, I, she needs to eat, she needs to have a balanced diet, fruit snacks is not a balanced diet, but it would be if it was in her world. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is help her uh, with this, but all she wants to do when she grabs that is she wants to run. She just wants to run, and it's so evident uh, in, or our broken human nature is so evident even in a young age. And some of you are like, man, how would you call that broken human? She is so sweet, which she is. And in the foyer, she looks sweet, but you come to my house about 830, there's a sour side too. I'm just going to tell you. But it's like, man, in the midst of all of this, what we see about the reality of our human, broken human nature is that there are times where we just want to run. 
Like we want to create distance in a relationship because we're not wanting uh, that relationship or we're not wanting that person to completely know us or we're not wanting uh, that person to, to see what we have. Sometimes it's really intentional and really clear, but other times I think it's subtle. And I think for us as adults, we would go, yeah, I mean, I know people, people know me, but, but we as adults can kind of step into this too and, and really have this subtle fade of just creating distance in relationships. It's, it's not something that's brand new either. It's not something that just happened uh, with humans. Like if you go back all the way to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, what do we see in Genesis chapter 3? Well, Adam and Eve are in the garden, uh, and in the midst of the garden, God tells them not to eat of one tree. Don't, don't eat the fruit on this tree. Well, they do it, and then all of a sudden, uh, there's <clears throat> this big thing happens, and there's brokenness in the world. There's a separation between God and man. God was created, or man was created for God to be close with and to know. But immediately, what do we see? As soon as they do something wrong, they run, they go make clothes out of fig leaves, and they hide. And in the midst of the garden, God comes to them and says, hey, where are you? Which he didn't need to really know where they were. He knew where they were. But what he was asking is trying to get them to realize what they were trying to do with God. And it's what we try to do with God as well, is we, we try to, to, to put kind of this wall up and, and this tension in between uh, him because we, we may want to try to hide something from him, whether that's shame or, or guilt or, or something we've done or uh, anything, whatever it is, he, we're trying to hide these things from him and it is in our broken human nature that we still continue to do this. The reality is it just looks different from generation to generation. There's things that we see in certain generations uh, that we uh, just don't necessarily um, Maybe seeing others, like it, it changes, but it's still the same thing. That original uh, kind of nature that's in our brokenness to run from God and to hide is still there. And we see it as young as uh, we can start walking and moving and all of that. And so we have this nature, like I said, to create distance in relationships. How we see it now and what we see a lot in the culture today is through social media and technology. Like tons of people are working home, from home remotely. Uh, more and more people are doing that. More and more people are having online friends and engaging with people uh, all over the place or, or maybe just engaging with people that they don't necessarily see on a regular basis. And that's all okay. Like that's not a bad thing. We know that that's, uh, that that's not a, a, something that is just uh, evil in and of itself. Rather, uh, what we do with this distance and relationship and how we uh, create this distance is what uh, it can end up being um, bad. It can end up not being good. And so the social media uh, deal and technology, it's not necessarily that all of that's bad. It's just we're using this now uh, to kind of fulfill this nature within us to create relationship or distance and relationships. And therefore, uh, the distance and relationships with other people will then impact our distance and relationship with God. We're going to see an example of this today uh, as we read. But, but before we get there, I wanted to just kind of... Uh, show you what we're seeing in culture. Maybe you haven't done this. I didn't really, I, I wasn't really paying attention to this until a few weeks ago and I was kind of researching uh, for some message material and really what we see is uh, the initial pieces of social media, Facebook and uh, primarily MySpace, if you have one of those. I was telling students a, a couple weeks ago about MySpace and they're just kind of like blown away. It's like, man, this is this is what it was. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was. And now kids have no idea uh, maybe what that was. But these connections on these social media platforms were called friends. 
So you had friends that you uh, engaged with, that you were connected with, that you chatted with, all of these things. And then terminology now has changed to follower. And a follower is a little bit more distance. To have a lot more followers, you've got to have good content. You've got to have things uh, that are encouraging and inspiring. You've got to show the good pieces of your life. And so all of this leads to these followers being people that uh, may know who we are, know what we're about, even know what we do on a certain, certain basis, but they don't really know us. So as a result of that, the, the brokenness in our human nature, uh, we like that, we crave that, we use that. Because when we've got a flaw, we've got something that we want to pull in and, and hold in, we're just going to post the good and we can feel like, man, people know me, people see me, people understand me, but on the inside, be crumbling. So what does this look like to be uh, known by others and known by God? I mean, that's really what we want to talk about today. But there's an immense amount of pressure on students to look perfect on social media and things like this. It's actually causing them to use it less and to create new social media platforms that are happening. But as a reality, also, uh, it's still broken, sinful human nature, and that means it affects us in the room. Like, I think we can go, well, I'm not on social media, so that's not me. I'm, I'm not uh, doing this, so that's not me. That That's really not describing me. Like, I don't use social media all that much, but it's something that I do use some. However, I'm still affected by the pressures of uh, other things and my job and everything else to, to maybe look perfect, to look like I've got things under control, to look like my life is all together. And in order for me to do that, it may not be virtual friends or followers, but in order for me to, to make it look like my life is all together, I need to have followers, not friends. It's kind of crazy to think about, but it's true. Like, if I want you to think, man, he's just got it all together. Like, I don't need you to know everything about me because there's flaws here. And so in the reality of that, we look and go, man, this is uh, really where we may struggle. But here's the reality is maybe you would say, man, social media is not me. But you feel pressure uh, from just pressure from your life because you know there's flaws inside your family. And you go, man, we can't, uh, we can't show this. We can't. Show this to the world. We've got to have a perfect face on. So as a result, nobody knows you. Like maybe this morning even, you walked in with tension in the car and things were like World War III was breaking off and things were going off and like you step out of the car and it's like birds start singing and little halos get over your kids' heads, right? Like I do this and that's why I can say like you do it too. I, we do this. Maybe for you it's a, a job that you feel like you've got to keep but you just got pressure to make it look like you're, you love it or, or even look to, to do things the right way but you're struggling with that internally and you don't know what you're going to do uh, and you as a result kind of put this wall around you that something perfect is there and it's not. Maybe it's with your faith right now. Maybe you've gone through something, and I've been here before, where you've gone through something that's really traumatic and really hard, uh, and you're living this life that's difficult. But in the midst of it, you know that you're a leader in, uh, in the community, and maybe people expect you to be a good Christian. And so what you're doing is putting this front up, not letting anybody see you on the inside, living this life that looks perfect, participating in all the things, but not really growing closer to God. In fact, you'd be going farther away from Him. Maybe for you, it's your marriage, and you realize, man, when you show up here, things look good, but on the inside, uh, something's crumbling. The reality is, is though we may want followers, not friends, to keep these things up, what we really need is friends, not followers. 
What we really need is people who know us, not know of us, or maybe know all of the things we did, or know that we went a certain place, but know what we're really struggling with, know what we really have going on in our life. Because people can know of you and not really know you. And we're going to be in Galatians 4. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to kind of jump to the front of it a little bit. Or we're going to go to the back a little bit. And then we're going to jump back to the front. Uh, so just kind of stay with me. But this is a little bit of a spoiler alert. Sorry if you uh, love surprises. I hate surprises. Um, I know that's a strong word, but I really just don't like surprises. Um, and so I am fine with a spoiler alert. In fact, I'll read the back of the book or watch the end of the movie or watch the trailer, figure out what happens, because then I decide if I want to do it or not. But this is, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert. So what's happening, what's going on in verse 16, uh, where we're going to pick up, is Paul is talking to the Galatians. It's writing a letter to uh, these Christians in Galatia. We, don't, we, don't, uh, we know that this group of people um, that Paul was writing to, he planted a church there and all of this. Uh, we don't know a ton about exactly where they were located, but these people uh, were, were here. And, and Paul is writing to them, and it was a church that had been established there, and he's been writing to this church back and forth. He knew them, he knew of them, he, he knew them well. He, he knew where they were going and what they were doing and how they were doing in their life. But Galatians is also something that's uh, just really rich. It's been an important letter that's been used uh, a lot in the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther uh, used it quite a bit, and so it's a, it's a, a really important letter that's been um, used in church history too. All that's just, uh, I guess, bonus information. But Paul is writing against the Judaizers. The Judaizers is a group of people uh, who were trying to persuade these Christians who have been saved, who have been, uh, who have believed in Jesus and had done that, had become Christians. They're trying to convince them that uh, that they really didn't need to do all of that, that Jesus really wasn't the Messiah, that they just needed to uphold the Old Testament law that Jesus came to to change, and He did change. And so what, what's happening in this letter is these people are clearly uh, kind of going against what Paul has been doing. And, and it's really not evident to the church in Galatians that this is happening. So Paul sees this kind of from a distance and looks at their lives and, and then begins to communicate this to them. And he says this in verse 16. We'll pick up here. So then, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? They court you eagerly, but for no good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. So what's happening? What's going on? Clearly, Paul's had some tension here, and he's got tension in this relationship because these people uh, were uh, friends with him. They knew him, but now they're probably just like not texting him back or not calling him back. Not really. They but they're kind of excluding him. Like Paul probably sent uh, workers there, people he was communicating with. He may have tried to go himself, but he, he, he knows that, man, they're just not uh, going down this path. There's distance that's being created in this relationship, and what he sees is this path that they're going down is not good for them. So he says, hey, are you, have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? And he's saying this after he kind of tells them the truth, and so we're picking up a little bit. After that, but what's the reality is, is, is these people are working to make the Galatians believe that what they've done in Christ isn't good enough or isn't right. That there's other ways to get to heaven, that they can do other things. And what's happening is it's causing this divide between God and or between them and Paul, and it's also providing this divide between uh, them and God. As Paul's writing to them to say, hey, stop and turn around, uh, it may not have seemed like a big deal to the Galatians, and it probably didn't. 
It probably just seemed like normal life. They were just kind of moving on in the way that they uh, thought that they were supposed to go. But in the midst of it, it's a huge deal. And Paul sees this because he knows them. And he says, wait, stop. This is not something that you need to be doing. And so the first thing that we see from this passage this morning is we need to be known. But we need friends who know us and share truth in our lives. We've got to have friends who not only know us and know us well, but they've got to be able to know us and then share truth in our life. And it's not comfortable. I mean, clearly it wasn't comfortable for the Galatians because he's saying, hey, you've made me an enemy. Like, you're no longer my friend because what I said wasn't comfortable. But it was true. It was right. But why were they running? You know, like, they're, they're, the door's just shut and their feet have picked up. Their steps have picked up. They're running. Why? Because of their sinful nature, they didn't want to... Uh, have these close relationships they were wanting to avoid this they knew there was tension there with Paul and they knew what was going on and they were trying to uh, avoid this and maybe cause some separation here but I promise you this it's so much better to be known than to be comfortable hiding your struggles so much better to be known than comfortable hiding your struggles. And I can say this from experience. I went through a period of my life uh, where between my senior year of college, my freshman year of college, I wasn't really known by anybody. It was a rough time. But go back to what he says. Uh, now we're going to go back to verse 8. But in the past, Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to the things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back against the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? So what he's saying is the reality. This is the truth that Paul was referencing uh, earlier. This is the truth that he's referencing in verse 16. There's a, there's a, a, a challenge or uh, like a video that's popular on social media uh, that's like a trade-up challenge. And I remember this. We did this in high school. But basically you take something like a paper clip and you trade it up for something bigger. Something way bigger, like uh, the one I saw was about a Tesla. Like they took a paper, tri a, a paper clip and they traded things consistently until they got up to a Tesla. It's like, man, where are those paper clips? I need to find one, right? <laughs> like are they gold or what's the deal here? I don't know, but no, it's just a regular paper clip that they're trading up. And that's uh, kind of this trend that's happening now. But, but what reality has happened is that these people have kind of traded their paperclip for a Tesla or maybe you go man that's not worth a paperclip uh, whatever it is it's a bass boat or a truck or whatever the case may be but they've traded something that didn't have a lot of value for something that was super valuable Paul says in verse 8 but in the past since you didn't know God that you were enslaved to the things by nature you're not that were not God's you've traded something but now since you know God or rather have become known by God how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elements What's happening is they've traded up. And what they have is so much more valuable, but what they were pursuing was not valuable. Why was it not valuable anymore? Because it couldn't do anything for them to get them to heaven or to get them closer to God. You see, before Jesus came in the Old Testament, there were these, there were these laws that had to be kept in order to be closer to God, in order to cleanse from sin, in order to do these things. And that was how you did it. But in this moment, uh, what's happening, or, or when Jesus came, what happened is those were no longer needed. What was needed was faith and trust in who Jesus was and, and receiving his payment for our sin. That's what was needed. 
But in the midst of this struggle that's happening in Galatia, what we're seeing is that these people are saying, no, you can do these things too. Really, all it is is just about doing these things. And they were convincing people that, no, actually, you needed to just uh, do the law. And really, what we see is this uh, kind of broken human sinful nature for our desire for control. Right, Because when we build walls up and create relation, separation and relationships, what we're doing is really controlling what people see and don't see. We're really controlling how people feel about us. And ultimately, when we do this with God, we're controlling uh, or what we feel like is we're controlling whether or not we go to heaven or whether or not uh, we're close with him. We have a relationship with him. And so in the midst of uh, all of these things that are going on, what we see is that they, they kind of were shifting here, and Paul is calling them out on it, but what's happening is they're actually uh, just kind of taking these things as things that they can uh, do to get to heaven. So what was he talking about? Look at verse 10. You're observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. So what's happening? What's going on? Well, they're observing these different things in the Jewish uh, calendar year. There were things like special days that could have been Sabbath days and or uh, special festival days. Months could have looked like uh, different regular events or new moon type uh, observing events. Observing new moon things at the beginning or end of the month or seasons could have referred to more important feasts like Passover uh, and, and <clears throat> um, the tabernacles. Years could have also referred to things uh, like Sabbath year or even Jubilee where debts were forgiven. They were participating in all of these things. Not bad things in and of themselves, but it was what they were doing with it that wasn't right. It was what they were doing with their life and their relationship with God and their relationship with Paul that wasn't right. And Paul knows them enough to see this and call them out on it. Here's what I think we uh, have to understand and see about this passage and what's going on here. Again, Jesus, after Jesus' adherence to the law didn't do anything more or less, it wasn't something uh, that that took away uh, salvation or gave salvation. But to the people around them, it was a, a church, a, a group of people that were meeting that, that knew of each other. Smaller than Brownsboro Chandler where everybody's at the, the sports game on Friday night or whatever the case may be, which I love. Like, we love that. You know a lot of people, and probably a lot of you could name 75% of the people in this room, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But you, you could name a lot of people, and you know of a lot of people. The reality is what's happening in this church, Paul's seeing it from afar. He's looking at what's going on, and what's going on is, is they're all kind of moving in this area, but nobody really knew it. Nobody really understood it. Nobody really uh, saw it happening, and no one was known enough to, to do <clears throat> this. Paul had the relationship where he was known, and Paul uh, made this plea to them to stop what they're doing and go back here. Here's the deal, and this is how it looks in our life. We can go to church and do all the things and be here and be seen and all of this other stuff, but if we're, if we're keeping something from God, ultimately keeping something from other people, not being known by others and not being known by God, then what we're doing is just like what we see in the Galatians where what they're trading things for was for, for worthless things. Like your church attendance or the programs you participate in, all of that stuff is awesome. It's great. We need it. Like, I'm glad you're here, personally, and it's not an empty room. Like, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But if we're not being known by the people uh, in this room, and it doesn't have to be known by everybody because I don't want everybody to know all my stuff, right? 
But if there's not a group of people that know you and know you well enough to see something that maybe others don't see and a path that you're heading down that maybe others don't get, to write you and tell you the truth and go, hey, something's going on here. And what's going to happen is just like what Paul saw happening with the Galatians is that more and more and more we're going to put walls up and there's going to be a specific set of people who really don't know us or, or a lot of people who really don't know us and then eventually there's going to be nobody that really knows us. So with this uh, particular kind of thing that I'm describing, describe the season of life that you're in right now with your faith. It's a hard question, but does it describe that And we can do these things, like meaning we can do all the church stuff and be going in the opposite direction of God. It's possible. So how do we not? Well, first of all, we're known, but uh, we're growing in Christ. And when we do that, that looks like spiritual maturity. And spiritual maturity in a Christian looks like knowing that you can't do anything and God can do everything. It's realizing the lack that you have. Like we can do nothing. Like I... Uh, I'll just say, man, if they're, like, my wife knows this, and thankfully uh, she helps me with this, but if there are Oreos in the house, I will eat the whole box. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. I'll get four and then, like, go back by and get four more. It's just, it's not good. And so what happens is she doesn't buy them every time she goes to the store. She helps me. She knows that that is something. Now, don't put Oreos on my desk every week just for the fun of it. That will not be funny. I'm, I'm really being serious. Don't do that. Uh... But that's what this looks like. Like the, the reality of it is, is that there's, there's big things going on in our life that people need to know about, not because we just need to know all your business, but because it's for your good, but because we were made for this. Like we were made for relationships. We were made to be known. If you go back to verse 9, it says, But now since you know God, or rather have been known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? What Paul's describing is if things are weak and worthless, then not being known by God is something that's weak and worthless. Something that doesn't make sense. It's something uh, that wasn't in line with, that with what that thing was created for. And we as humans were created for this relationship with God. That's why since you are known by God, or, or rather since you know God, or rather have been known by God, if you're a Christian, this is something uh, that is best. Everything else is weak and worthless. It seems strong, but when we pull things out of their context and use things for what they weren't created for, uh, it goes downhill south, downhill south fast. So we were created for this. And naturally, it's true, we see this uh, in even people that are not Christians, but we also see this in ourselves. Like We long for deep relationships. We long for that. We look for that in, in, in partners, we look for that in friends, we look for that in other places, and we long for this. Why is that? Because when we're in this place, when we're known by God, and when we understand Him and know Him more, uh, then being known means being free. Look at verse 9. He says, but in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved by them all over again? What's Paul describing with this picture is that being known means being free. And ultimately, there's freedom in being known by God. 
is freedom. And being known by God and knowing who he is and understanding him more. And the reality is, is like we can uh, participate, partake in a lot of these different things. We can have these friends. We can uh, do all of this stuff at church. And that's good stuff. It's not bad things. Please don't hear me wrong. That's not bad things. The reality is, is that being known by God is what we were created for. Being known by God is the only thing that will fulfill us. And so when we talk about this concept of being known and understanding others and being known by others, it's a big deal because, like I said at the beginning, uh, your relationships with other people will impact the way that you view your relationship with God. And most of the time, that'll track. And and there's times in our life where we do something or have something or have a flaw that we want to keep inside and we run from God and hide. And he has to come and go, where are you? Where are you? What have you done? Uh, What is going on in your life? God already knows. He understood that. And to be known by God also means that we're being loved or that we are completely loved by God. So you and I need to be friends uh, of God, not just followers. And I know that's kind of confusing because we say Christ follower some, but but follower in the sense that uh, the term that's used in social media today, like we need to be friends with God, not just followers. And we need to find our ultimate relationship and our deepest need for relationship is only found in him. Like if you're in here this morning and, and you do not have a relationship with Christ and you're looking for what will fulfill whatever you came in here for, like there's a reason you came here this morning. And whether it's the primary thing or not, you're looking for meaning and purpose and relationship and you will only find that in Jesus. But here's the reality, is that we are also designed and needed to be known uh, by others so that we can continue to walk with Jesus. Because what's in our nature? We run. We run. We run from relationships, and so we need people that know us, not just know that we were here on Sunday morning, but know actually how we're doing, know actually how we're feeling, know actually what's going on in our minds. Because if we keep everyone else back and hold on to that, then we'll hold that from God too. So how do we be known? How do we find these friends and, and, and true people that know us? Again, it's not that you tell everybody, like, we're not going to have an open mic, or that's not why this is here. Uh, but we're not going to have, like, an open mic. We go, okay, share uh, what's going on here with you and just pass it down the road. Like, not everybody needs to know your sins in this room or your struggles in this room. But there's a small group of people uh, that would help you and would walk with you and that you can help with them, too. Like, all generations, like, I need people in my life who know me, who, who have gone before me, who, who would see me going down this path to go, hey, where you're headed is not where you want to go. I turn back. That's what Paul's doing here. I mean, this was not something that seemed like a big deal when he was writing to them, but it was a huge deal. Clearly, because Paul says you're trading a paperclip for something else. What is going on? As we talk about this and really the goal of this is we're launching uh, some new small groups that are happening uh, here uh, that are happening at homes we've got Sunday school classes as well Uh, but my desire in this morning and I think really what God wants to show to us is this that we were made to be known and let's not just be followers let's be friends not only with others but let's be friends with God because that is what we were created for And so does God truly know you? I mean, he does. 
Are you holding something from him? Do others truly know you? I mean, they may know you. They may know your name, your face. They may have known you for 30 years, but they really know what you're going through right now. And do you have a relationship with Christ? Like, if this is you this morning who would say, man, I'm at a place uh, where I need a relationship with Jesus, come find one. We'll help you do that. Maybe you need to come this morning and go, man, I've been holding something from God. I've been pulling this close to my chest. My feet have been moving fast from him because I know that, that I don't want to give this up. And you need to come here and pray and give that to him. There's something about confessing what we're hiding from God, even though that he knows. That's why I asked Adam and Eve, where are you? And they had to say, God, I'm here. So maybe that's what you need to do this morning, to come and say, God, I'm here. Maybe you need to go and join a group, and you take a step out these back doors and go to the Connection Center, Welcome Center, whatever. It's that round desk in the foyer. And sign up for a group. Maybe you need to do that, or or maybe uh, you've been coming here for a while and you realize, man, I just need to be a member here. I need to kind of take this thing up a little bit. We've got a Next Step class coming September 18th that we'd love for you to be a part of. So whatever it is, I don't know what that is for you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And if that's you, if you need to respond and move, uh, I would just encourage you to do that. So let me pray for us this morning. God, we're grateful, uh, Lord, that you know us. Ultimately, you know us. And God, in that, that is uncomfortable at times, but that is also freeing because you know. And Lord, whatever we need to, to say to you this morning, whether that be trusting in you or whether that be giving something to you or whether that be going and finding people who know us because we don't feel like we've got anybody, help us to, to do that. And God, I pray that we'd be intentional about uh, following up and, and really trusting in you in this moment because you are good. And whether we think it or not, whether we want to run or not, you have our best intention in mind. And so, God, I just pray that you would help us with that. Lord, we love you and we trust you. In your name we pray.